K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight and Joe Palmer. And on this episode, we're rounding up some of the most interesting K-Pop songs from May of 2017. Yeah, so May, when it came to talk about it, I realized that it was quite a good month. I wasn't paying as much attention as I usually was, I think. But then when I looked at all the releases, especially in the last week or so, there's been a lot, I know, and there's Songs that we won't get to talk about today that I really liked, like Becca Young and Astro and Dean, and news-wise as well, it was big, of course, because of Sistar's disbandment, um, BTS at the uh, BVMAs, winning Top Social Artist, Psy came back, plenty happened. Yeah, I hope we'll get to talk about Sistar a little more in a later show, but BTS was certainly big news. It's not like they won a Grammy for Best Album, but I think that was a milestone for K-pop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's really shown how far they've come in such a short amount of time. You know, their international fan base is ridiculous at this stage. And I'm really curious to see what happens when they come back next. I don't think they'll go straight for an American sort of, like... Attack on America, but I think more and more people will gradually get in onto them as well. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I think that makes sense. You know, the Billboard Awards certainly raised their profile within the industry and they got some media attention and got to hang out with some industry heavyweights. So hopefully that'll bear fruit in the future. Mm -hmm. And they did seem to just suggest that there'll be a collab with the Chainsmokers. And then they also took pictures with Halsey and stuff. And Chainsmokers, as much as People seem to dislike them. They're very big, and it could be a really interesting collaboration, I think. Definitely. Well, let's get into some of the songs that we are going to get a chance to talk about this episode. Do you want to start out? I will, yeah. So I'm gone with a song that is not my favorite of the month, but one that really, really intrigued me and surprised me, and that is Red by Solby. Most people like me might know Solby from various appearances on variety shows. You know, that's all I knew about her. I didn't know what she was famous for, but I always saw her on these shows. She seemed likable. I always thought she seemed to like not take herself too seriously. But after seeing her perform on Music Bank and listening to the album, I actually looked her up a bit. And she is an artist in her own right and did a duo with someone, I can't remember, and it's called Vivi's, and it's a similar sort of project to this. But Red is really, really unique. Not just because of the song. The song is a totally experimental, sort of a electronic, kind of wavy thing, which has huge gaps where it's very minimal. And the end part, I think, is great. It reminds me of, like, uh, 2000s video games. Did you run into this first on Music Bank? Was that your first encounter with the song? It was, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that's got to be kind of a shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because when I clicked on it, like it was Solby, I was like, I didn't know she did this or anything. I was like, might, might as well watch. And then it goes on for like five and a half minutes. And I'll explain it briefly. But basically what she does, she called it action painting back in 2015. But she, it's on Music Bank and she sits on a really big canvas in the middle staring straight at the camera with this sort of demented, constant smile on her face. There's a ring of black paint around her. Four men with black paint on their hands and their feet start moving around her, painting as they move. 
They start to push her around. She doesn't react. She gets back up and sits with her smile every time. But once they start to move away, she pulls after them. And she's not angry, but she's almost looking for help or wanting them to come back. And they react to this by even more violently pushing her. And they uh, pour red paint all over her. And this is kind of the, maybe not the halfway point, but the turning point. So she reacts a lot more painfully to this. And then she starts to dance around almost almost normally, almost trying to be seductive, but she's got black and red paint all over her. She's sliding around this canvas. And towards the end, she pours white paint over everything else and starts to mop it around as if trying to cover up the black and the red. And it's the same in the video, except in the video, it plays up the sounds of the photographers and the flashes. So you hear like very heightened shutter sounds. But one thing in the Music Bank performance, which was particularly odd was the audience's reaction and they for the most part were silent completely silent and then yeah she gets up and gets the mop there's some laughter from the majority of the audience and then they go dead silent again and I thought that was a really strange reaction and I, I didn't know I didn't know if I felt that way as well because it, it, it's, it's a strange thing to see for the first time when you're not expecting it but I found it equally profound and Almost comical, yeah. I mean, maybe that's because I knew her persona was sort of funny most of the time. I think I understand the laugh because that was that was a moment that jumped out at me too, the most clever part of it, because, you know, a woman in white and she's has people smearing paint on her and this sort of thing, that's not too outside the box. But the really clever thing to me was then at the end, she takes the white paint and tries to cover it up, which of course doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where the laughter came from, that they, when the audience realizes what she's trying to do, yeah. and it's obvious that it's not going to work, to me, that laughter was kind of appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's like it's not something I want to pretend I know about. But to me, it seems like it's about abuse and just how complex that whole thing is with her clamoring after them and then trying to cover everything up. Yeah, Music Bank was a, a weird place to perform it, for sure. And I'm not sure if... She did want them to laugh or not still, but uh, yeah. she definitely like performed it very well. And it was um, really admirable, I thought. Yeah, it's definitely kind of disturbing. I mean, it as a work of art, it's good if it arouses emotions in you. And it definitely was successful in that way. To me, as a pop song, it wasn't as successful. Yeah, as a song, it's like, I think not far enough, probably experimental. It has some interesting sounds that I like, but the full thing is that with the performance and it's not something I'd go back to listen to without watching the performance. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt about it. I was glad to have watched it. It was really interesting. To watch it again or to even just listen to it again, I think would be kind of tedious. Yeah, there's a whole, I mean, I think like two minute section where there's just a few like clanging percussions and the odd synth, I think. And uh, well, it, yeah, it makes for a great atmosphere, not a, not a great song. song I want to talk about is a real contrast to me from an artistic point of view with Red. 
just at the at the very start of May, Triple H came out with 365 Fresh. And I'm sure most people know Triple H is a cube project that involves Hyana and Hui and Edon of Pentagon. And I like the song, but what was really interesting to me about it and, and hopefully worthy of discussion is, you know, we talk a lot on this show about how in K-pop, it's not just the audio that matters, that a lot of times the concept, the choreography, the music video are all part of what's being presented. And a lot of times a music video will help you understand or appreciate or enjoy a song. And this is the first music video I can think of that had the exact opposite effect <laughs> on me. <laughs> you know, I really like the song itself is really good. I'll start out with that. It's the EP is called 1990X, which seems pretty clearly to imply that they're going for a 90s sound, which I always like talking about. Sometimes Scott Interante likes to point out that when we use these labels like 80s and 90s, we shouldn't necessarily take them totally literally. But I think it's interesting to see how accurate some of these things are. So to me, the vocals maybe could be considered 90s, but the instrumentals of this song really sound strongly to me like late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. I think especially of the Daz Band or Earth, Wind & Fire, Cool and the Gang. So the song itself, I really like. The video, I don't. I actually think that it's, you know, without being too overly sensitive, I, I think it's actually offensive mm -hmm. because it trivializes suicide and somehow also at the same time manages to glorify it. And especially, you know, suicide by young people, it has this sort of live fast, die young idea and it's almost presented as a solution you know here's these three young people they have all these problems and how do they solve it by jumping off a building and they're very happy <laughs> about it right mm -hmm. they, they yeah. seem to have made the right choice at the end of the video yeah. and of course all throughout the video Edon is trying various ways more more or less seriously different ways to kill himself he starts out drowning himself sort of half-heartedly hanging himself puts a bag over his head to suffocate himself. He meets the other Triple H members by jumping in front of their car. And we just talked about in Red how something uncomfortable or even disturbing, you know, a bunch of guys pushing a woman around on stage and throwing paint on her, that's disturbing. And in the wrong context, that could be offensive. Mm -hmm. But that video and the performance has an artistic point of view. It seems to have a message. And that seems to me is totally absent from 365 Fresh. And one reason I say that is it's always possible that I'm missing a message that a video is trying to send. But in this case, I really don't think I am because the other elements of the video seem like I can imagine a conference room with a whiteboard where they're writing down what, what can we include mm -hmm. in here to drum up controversy, right? Yeah, yeah. And we've got Hiana. So obviously... She's going to have to be running around in her bra. We can have some close-ups of that. There's kissing. There's an implied threesome. There's drug use or at least smoking, which is pixelated, you know, which in the context of this video seems kind of yeah. absurd. But it just seems so obviously aimed at generating controversy and 
intended as a media play rather than any kind of serious commentary on suicide or any of the other issues that might arise in this video. Yeah, yeah. When you started talking about the how the video and the music they make a singular sort of idea, got sort of worried. I was like, I was like, did I miss something about this video? Was there more to it? You know, and that's what it, when I, I first figured started, it out. Yeah, when I first started watching it, I did think, oh, maybe they'll have some sort of commentary about suicide because it's such a big issue in Korea. But obviously, no one really talks about it, so yeah, they can just glorify it. Yeah, and that that was. I think very clear that there is no satirical edge to this video. You know, it was like, get these pretty people, take their clothes off a bit. Although I will say that I don't think it's an applied threesome. I think that Hyuna and one of the guys were together and then the other guy came and slept beside them because of the way he, he yeah. uh, they look at him. But I mean, that's beside the point. But <laughs> An applied twosome is, yes. is controversial enough, I guess. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, with Hyuna, it's, it's hard not to be controversial in these sort of circumstances. But yeah, I could see people getting into this, you know, they got a lot of cool visuals and good lighting and stuff. But uh, yeah, that last shot is just terrible, really. It looks like a sort of classical movie ending shot, you know, where it looks like they're in a car and, or a roller coaster with a, like a cheesy backdrop behind them. But yeah, the context is so far from what is actually happening that it, it's just kind of very strange. It's a shame because it's a, it's a really good song. <laughs> yeah, no, I really do. It's one of my favorite. And the EP is good too. There's some there's some other good songs on there. It's one of my favorite examples of funk that K-pop has done. I think it transitions with such ease and it's always such an easy listen. I think it's good to get Hyuna doing a bit of singing as well as rapping. And I love the phrases as well, like F or E, S and H. That's so much fun. If they had just gone with something a little bit more classically 70s for the video, that would have been great. And then they wouldn't have been allowed to twerk, which would be good. <laughs> That's always a plus. <laughs> My next pick is probably the most successful song of the month. Maybe that or Sai's, one of Sai's song, but the new biggest girl group in Korea twice with Signal. I feel like I unfairly gave up somewhat on twice after Knock Knock. It was just really not what I like from girl groups like this. It's just too generic. And I think twice deserve a little bit more thought put into the concept and the structure of like their their voices how they go together especially because they're not good vocalists for the most part and finally getting jyp with them i think is the best thing that could have happened it is always a marvel to see like jyp the creative director of one of the biggest entertainment companies in the country takes his biggest girl group and gives them signal this song which yeah yeah at some parts is barely more than a, just a beat um it's joyous to me and there's so many little details that i love the bass lines are really good the tiny synth which i didn't even hear at first but when i put on my headphones i could hear like the opening under these raps were great yeah and like using the vocals people like dahyun and chaeyoung together especially dahyun's her clean sort of rapping chaeyoung a bit more nasally and then adding momo in who has a whiny sort of rap voice but in a good way like like jimin and minna again who's sort of clean and strong as well that's one thing that really scared me about twice when they were first put together was that they had three rappers mm -hmm. <laughs> i thought oh man that's all we need <laughs> is like a third of their songs to be rap but i think it's worked out all right yeah i mean like they're finally playing to well they're playing to their weaknesses almost instead of their strengths because they're realizing that maybe they have to tone down the vocals. And I think it especially helps when you have these sort of raps or like mid-tones 
And then finally Jiho comes in, who is great, and she sounds so much better. I mean, she always sounds great, but I think her part in Signal really, really helps bring it up and set it up for the chorus. And just the song itself, most of the verse, like I said, is just a beat. And then they return to this, the intro rapping, which I think is what puts most people off. But JYP is not one for letting risks go right by him. And I think he did a great job. I think he really fits their personalities as well. And that's why Twice are so big, because everyone knows them and their personalities from the TV show. And if you play them up a bit more, like JYP is probably likely to do, it works out so much better. Now, you mentioned the intro rap, and I feel like I'm being super negative this episode, but... (laughs) That intro rap hasn't been very well received by a lot of people. In fact, somebody did a remix, I think, where he took it out. I haven't actually listened to it. But I'm sort of on board with the idea that the uh, sending you a sign, sending you a signal part is sort of hypnotic in a bad way. The rhythm is the same. The intonation is the same. And when the music comes in behind it, it's okay. But, you know, repetition can make something very catchy. But there's something about that that is not catchy at all to me. What was your reaction to that? You're good with that intro rap? Totally, I was down straight away, yeah. Yeah. The videos, I think, have been pretty consistent. One thing you see a lot in Twice videos is they're very rewatchable because there's so much going on, you can't possibly take it all in in one or two or three or four watches. And Mm -hmm. I think that this video follows along that pattern. Yeah, yeah. Listening back for this, I feel like I was watching the video properly for the first time and noticing lots of things. Well, I'd like to talk about another girl group that hasn't been quite as successful as Twice, but I kind of feel like they're on the upswing. April and their recent single, Mayday. April has always been, you know, a pleasant enough girl group. To me, they've been nothing remarkable. But their last single, April Story, was a little bit weird, and I thought it was really good. Do you remember that, Joe? It's sort of a doll concept. Yeah, I was really into it. Yeah, it reminded me of sort of like a mix between Rough by G-Friend and Secret by Cosmic Girls. Great strings and synths kind of coming together. I really, really like that. That was a good song, and I think they followed it up well with Mayday. It's just a super catchy and fun song. It's full of hooks and little vignettes, and the choreography sort of emphasizes that. compare the use of the title in Mayday to Twice's use of the title in Signal. They're both repeated a lot as part of the chorus and elsewhere, but to me there's something about Mayday, the way that it's sung, that is so much more catchy and appealing. There seems to me there's more variation and personality. For me, there was more personality from this than their previous singles, I think, but nothing on the level of Twice, I don't think. I love the opening synth 
that they bring back the do 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 and that part gets stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. Whereas the rest of it, I think, is nice, but I keep wanting that to come back. I feel like that. I really wish that was a more prominent melody throughout, even though it might get a little irritating. I just love every time I start it, I get so excited just listening to that. But I think I, I lose interest somewhat towards the rest of it. A highlight to me is the the save me, save me part. Yeah, yeah, that, which comes like right after when they bring it back, right? Yeah, I think so. Like that, that to me is the personality that they're showing through, and it's it's a lot of fun. So my next pick is I'm bringing Luna back. Yeah, somebody had to do it. We could talk about them every month, but I think this one is a little bit better than usual. That's not to say that they were ever bad. So they debuted their seventh girl, I believe. They have one girl, Jin Sold, who hasn't got a full solo, but appeared in Vivi's special music video for her song. But the seventh girl was Kim Lip. And before her music video came out, Blackberry Creative, their company, were pushing the fact that they had the producer, Daniel O.B. Klein. He's a Danish producer from, there's a production group called DK. And he, they kept saying he was the guy who worked on Esens is the anecdote. Uh, Esens is the rapper who um, used to be in Supreme Team with Simon Dominic. And the second song on her single release was produced by Chacha Malone as well. So I was expecting something a lot more hip hop than what was coming. And I figured they eventually had to show that they had a rapper because it's just what every K-pop group needs. <laughs> I dissent. <laughs> But it actually turned out to be this kind of synth-pop R&B, which makes sense since the other producer is Charlie Taft, an English woman who sometimes worked with DK, but also she uh, produced with Daniel Klein Automatic by Red Velvet. But Eclipse, the Kim Lip song, is special for Luna for a number of reasons. Maybe their best song, it seems that a lot of people are connecting to it a bit more. It shows a progression for them. Like the first few girls kind of fit into the a little bit more of a generic girl group, like cutesy girl group mold. With Kim Lip, her dance is a little bit more mature. Her sound was more mature. Yeah, and I think she's she's going to be a part of a, a new subunit as well with two other girls from what the descriptions. You should read the YouTube descriptions for all their videos from now on as well. They're super detailed and are very passionate about Luna and passionate about the producers that they bring on which i think is great yeah eclipse the song wonderful velvety synthy r&b has this great bridge with just finger snaps with the song that doesn't move around too much but keeps this constant great textures and kim lip's voice which isn't excellent but has this constant and really satisfying sense to it monotree wrote the lyrics for it and there are some quite interesting ones there to me, it's a very competent vocal performance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, which it should be because it starts out with this great, like, sort of Luther Vandross intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a pre-debut girl group member's solo debut, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's something they need as well because they have two, like, Heejin and Hassel are quite good vocalists, and then the rest of them, Hyunjin, Sojin, not Yojin, and Vivi, are, seem to be quite weak. So um, Kim Lip, I think, will prove to be a really pivotal member for them when they do finally come together. This 
Kevin is still just as exciting as they were the last time I talked about him. It's great to see the, like, the mythology of the group almost getting more intense rather than... Yeah. I figured they might start rolling it out and be like, okay, we got them interested, we need to get rid of this stuff. But now, if you read the descriptions, they're great, like little stories that they have about what the girls are doing, you know, they're over in Iceland or New Zealand or Hong Kong and... It's a lot of fun to follow all the way through, I think. So part of the mythology that you're talking about is, I didn't read the YouTube description, but each one is associated with an animal and a color. Mm -hmm. And so this one is Kim Lip has an owl in the video, and, and red is obviously her color. But you're saying there's a lot more to it than that if you read the, yeah, uh, yeah, the there's, YouTube description. There's like there's stories. They talk about this song and like, the producers and how they worked on it and then at the end it says can jin so rescued from a basement in hong kong by the wishes of the fans meet with the rest <laughs> of luna and you know, will yojin find her way towards the other members without wandering off somewhere else oh wow the funny thing is is that those stories don't exist anywhere outside of the descriptions and for the youtube videos because <laughs> like the music videos don't tell that story i think they're Website, I mean, as far as I could tell, doesn't have too much information with that. So uh, yeah, it's a really like interesting and unique way of building the, the Lunaverse, as they call it. Well, I agree with you about this showing a progression. And the amazing thing to me is that this is all pre-debut, right? I mean, we know that girl groups generally have to go through the innocent concept phase before they can get to more mature concepts. But here we, we've got Luna, they're going through those phases you know, and they're only halfway to their debut, and they're already moving on to a more mature, sexy concept. Yeah, exactly. And I presume by the time these next three girls have finished their kind of round of promotions, the next three or four that we still get to meet will have something else, maybe a more prominent hip-hop concept, maybe something more dancey, you know. There's going to be a great range to this group when they finally come together. And a big discography of really tight, well-produced songs and great choreography already, great voices, great writing. This is the group to watch for sure. Yeah. Well, let me move on to my next pick, which is actually a Japanese language release from B1A4 called Follow Me. And Joe, I know that last year you reviewed a B1A4 album and you said something like B1A4 is a group that you feel like you've neglected. Yeah, yeah. Every time I listen to them, I, I find it something new with them. You know, they go places that I don't expect them to go. And I really like that, but I have never followed them too closely. And I, I didn't even know this came out until you told me. So I'm yeah. still not doing that, honestly. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. B1A4 has been a group that is on my list of groups that I need to dive deeper into and read about and listen to some of their older songs because they are a very interesting group and I don't feel like I know them nearly as well as I should. This song is composed and written by Jin Young, who is the leader of the group. For others who don't follow B1A4 closely as Joe and I uh, <laughs> sadly don't, you may know Jin Young from, he's on a lot of these reality type shows. He was on Produce 101. He wrote a song for that show, and there was an episode where, at least one episode, where the contestants were all fangirling over him. And he's been involved in the second season of Produce 101 as well. He's doing something with, I believe, Idol Drama Project or whatever that show is called. So he's very active, and he's written a lot of great songs for B104 over the years. What really drew my attention to this song was the intro, 
it's unusual, and I'm drawn to unusual weird things. I'm kind of glad that we got a chance to discuss the Soul B song because it sort of demonstrated to me that I don't just automatically like something more the weirder that it is. So that's good. I do have some <laughs> standards. Good. good. But this is kind of an uh, unusual intro. It starts out with basically vocals and sort of discordant piano chords, and it goes back and forth between high-pitched vocals paired with high piano notes like the right-hand side of the keyboard, and then it lower pitched it's either group or layered vocals with lower piano notes and they put a little bit of bass in there just to emphasize the contrast i've got a dream baby After the intro, this sort of mid-tempo dance beat comes on, and the production goes from a sort of stark, clear sound to a muddier sort of sound. I can't think of a better word to describe it. It's not bad, but the sounds are not all as distinct. Yeah, I think Jin Young is one of the most exciting kind of idol producers out there. Everything he's done for other groups has been great. I mean, One Step, Two Step by Oh My Girl, that was him. The Produce 101 song he did, I thought was great. And I didn't like, I don't think I liked any other of the Produce 101 songs. No, they were some good <laughs> But his was the best by far. And this, yeah, this was cool as well. I mean, like I said, B1A4 always does something that I don't expect them to do. Even like when I'm listening to the song, it changes all the time. And this does that great. And you talked about the intro, but I guess for me, I looked at it in kind of opposite ways. When I was listening... Like the intro is fine, you know, like it's like a setting up a pretty like normal, maybe sort of dancey ballad. And then once the chorus hits, the intro, like the motifs come back, I mean, one time. But for me, when that chorus hit, I was expecting it to go back to being the intro sounds and it didn't. And it kept going with that same beat and Barrow had his rap and then the chorus would come again. And it, it felt like it just couldn't stop once it got going. It was really, really curious, you know. I think Jin Young is obviously trying stuff that's different. I agree with you. I like a song that goes somewhere and doesn't necessarily go back and revisit what's already happened. Yeah, and I think that that's what drew me more to it. You know, I went back and listened straight away to figure out what was still happening, you know. And I think I still need to listen a few more times. Well, I really like the idea of Jin Young working with Oh My Girl. The Produce 101 song that he did... The guide track was recorded by Sung Hee, who's the main singer of Oh My Girl. And I, that's the version I really want. <laughs> I mm -hmm. wish I could get my hands on that <laughs> somehow. But that is a great combination, Oh My Girl and, and Jin Young. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll be better than their last song anyway. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. It wasn't up to their standards, but I liked no, it. No, it was fine. It was fine. All right. Well, we've already got a couple of interesting prospects for June, but I guess maybe that does it for May. So thank you for listening to this episode of Cult Scenes K-Pop Unmuted. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. You can find us at cultscene.com and on SoundCloud as well. If you enjoyed it as well, be sure to leave a rating or review on iTunes. That really helps us get seen by other people. And look forward to our next episode.